Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, hey, everybody. It's the Awards Radar podcast, and I am currently melting here in New York. Uh, so excuse the sounds of uh, Brooklyn in the background, but I don't like you people enough to close my window and melt during this. So it's uh, under the radar, like in the Heights promo, I guess. The sounds of New York in the background. Hell yeah. There, there you go. go. There you go. I made it work. Uh, I'm Joe. I'm Matt. Yeah. I don't live in Queens, but and are also off today. But I like I like where your head's at. Uh, Miles, you live in in a in a swamp. Tell me more about how your heat is going. Uh, it's hot until it's not. It's either so hot that your skin wants to peel off, or it's raining. So I don't know which one I hate more. Does Probably explain both. why the people of your state are insane. Quite could also be the meth. You know, the meth has died down a lot in favor of uh, gator attacks, so I feel like the gator attacks are balancing out the meth addict somewhat. Or are the gators now addicted to meth, so they're trying to eat meth heads to get more meth? That could be it. That's the best way for gators to inject meth, is just to eat meth heads. True. Also, I think we found your next short film. (laughs) So, uh, all right, uh, Ryan's back. Hi, everyone. And um, I'm not going to touch any of that conversation before with a 10-foot pole. Well, you live in Texas, so crazy people in heat is also part of your... Well, that's true. Well, we definitely have our fair share of crazy people, especially in the government. Oh, (laughs) picking on the disabled. Most of them are in heat. (laughs) That's that's an upsetting thought. All right. All right, Steve. All right. Well, Steve's here. How's, 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 How's it going for you? nice and warm and that's about it warm well you're the closest one to me so i would imagine it would be yes and i'm on the uh the the top floor of my place with no windows open no fans on and no air conditioning so i mean granted it is how you normally hang out that's not really special (laughs) hey by the time i'm done i'll be i'll have lost that uh that 10 pounds i won yeah that water weight's going right out the window and uh, and Mitchell's back, so regale us with the weather because that's what this podcast is about. Um, you know, weather report here. I'm in Delaware, so more or less the same as you and Steve, not too far south. Uh, and that is so it's just hot, 90s hot. I live next to like the woods, so I've been surrounded by cicadas for pretty much the last like month. Every oh, time I come in, I bring some in with me. Those are the worst. Oh wow, worst. that much. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. Oh, gross. Uh, well, there's your other horror movie <laughs> option, Miles. Uh, speaking of, um, we have uh, we have some questions today. One is horror centric coming up, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some awards first because we have a question from Flea, Flea two hundred eight. All the other Fleas did not get this question in. They said they saw this on Twitter a while back. But if you can make a best picture lineup, specifying ten films. With only previous winners, who would make the lineup? And I did give this to everyone early because it would have been a disaster otherwise. So I am curious what everyone's 10 is going to look like. Uh, does anyone want to volunteer to go first? Well, I didn't see the list or the the question, so I'm going to start my list with Green Book. So no disaster. <laughs> you yeah. Great. Perfect. I, I, actually, I do not want to start, but I do have a list. All right. Uh... I've got Ryan. mine ready to go. Miles, or there Ryan. you go. Yeah, Miles, let Miles go first, please. 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a man that did not prepare. That's me. Okay. Well, I've got a few that'll piss you off, so okay. buck up. Um, as, as I went through the list of the history of best picture winners, it really did highlight for me just how many classic films I still need to catch up with. Cause whew, this list so leans a little harder invalidating your list. Is what you're saying? No, because okay. I do have some classics <laughs> on there. So, uh, going in order of oldest to most recent, uh, here are my 10. I have Casablanca, the Godfather, platoon, silence of the lambs. A Beautiful Mind, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, The Departed, 12 Years a Slave, The Shape of Water, and Parasite. Interesting. Good list. Ryan. Uh, That's a good list. Thank you. Hang on. I got to get, yeah. get one more. And if um, we can go oldest to newest also, that'll make it good, easy for everyone. All right. I got to get one more. So uh, is anybody else ready? Just go to them. Mitch? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm trying to just trying to like eyeball oldest to newest here, but so I might mess up one or two of these. But so my list would be The Apartment, Midnight Cowboy, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I messed up The Godfather, which came before One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But then Amadeus, Silence of the Lambs, Unforgiven. No Country for Old Men, Moonlight, Parasite, 10. Solid. Very nice. I was this close to putting One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest on mine. I went back and forth. That's how I was with 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, I'm going to I, I have 14 right now. I have to cut some. Yeah, I'm at 12. So, um, <sighs> well, you want to read your 14 and then we'll cut down? Or, or Ryan, are you ready? I am ready. Just give me two seconds. So you're not ready. Oh. I waited more. I'm not great with counting. All right, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Good. Um, Rebecca, Casablanca, mm. All About Eve, Lawrence of Arabia, The Godfather, Amadeus, Silence of the Lambs, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, No Country for Old Men, and Moonlight. Those are my right. 10. Yeah. All right. All masterpieces. Yeah, Rebecca and All About Eve were both in my like 11 to 15. Yeah, and look, I know everyone in the world. I'm not I'm not dogging any of you guys picking it. But I still think Parasite is way too recent for me to put it in a top 10 conversation. It's tricky. It's really it's always really tricky it's to do. It's a great do. film, but it's just I'm happy to I do it now that it's not the most recent winner. Yeah. I think Moonlight being the most recent winner makes more sense than Parasite. I uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I have I have twelve that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep at twelve because two of them are problematic. But let's let Steve go first. <laughs> is one right. of them Annie Hall? If one I had to guess, definitely Annie Hall. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. So I have uh, Green Book, Annie Hall, Green Book Two, <laughs> <laughs> Crash. All right. Um, <laughs> so these may not be. These are close. Driving Miss Daisy. Not, not exactly. <laughs> driving Miss Daisy. It's Around the world so, in eighty days. A hmm. crowd pleaser. Tom All Jones. right, here we go. Casablanca, uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, The Sound of Music, On mm -hmm. the Waterfront, The Apartment, The Godfather, a lot of those coming up, The Deer Hunter, The Silence of the Lambs, Amadeus, Schindler's List, No Country for Old Men, and Parasite. 
That's twelve, right. isn't it? Right on. That's more than twelve. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll allow it and we'll narrow right. it down here. I'm gonna give you guys the twelve because two of them have uh, cancelable people in them, so I'm just gonna go with twelve. Oh, and I know where this is going. Uh, so here we go. The apartment. Rocky. Annie Hall. Silence of the Lambs. Schindler's List. American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh. Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. Departed. The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. Argo. Mm-hmm. Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Parasite. Parasite. I oh. nearly put Spotlight. I think, the, yeah. Wait, Mitch, Miles, did you put Moonlight? No. Yeah, Moonlight. Moonlight's, oh. Moonlight is literally my number one best Mitch picture is, winner. Mitch is the only one here that's validated on his list next to mine. So everybody... <laughs> You're all racist, and uh, you know. Oh, okay. Racist. So we're racist for not including Moonlight, but you are not racist for not including Parasite. There's a fine line here, buddy. Yes. Uh, I like yeah, that's this even co- more racist. You know. That comment is is super racist by saying, "Well, guess oh, what? Okay. It's yeah, Ryan. Oh. You lost." Well, listen, Ryan is a, Ryan is a much trendier racist because it's the Asian yeah, hate. There you go. That's that's what we're yeah. getting at. We got. <laughs> it. That's the one more on the spectrum now. Yeah, he's, he's more trendy. timely. Trending hashtag racist. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> I like how we have turned this into let's cancel each other just for. Yeah, yeah this conversation well, should probably. Majority of our lists are just white men doing <laughs> movies. Yeah, well, you know Listen, now that we've got a void. We, no, we didn't put No Man Land in, and and only I think Joey put in the Hurt Locker. So I guess all of us are sexist at this point. That's too. right. Well, when the Academy is sexist for not me. giving us more options, but that's a separate True. issue. I mean, that might be a fair way of getting around that. All right. Let's uh, do another question while we're here. Ryan McDermott. Um, he has a mount for us. We'll do after. So be very excited about that. We have a Emily Blunt filmaholic face-off. Nice. Oh, God. Um, Mary Poppins returns or Into the Woods? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Mary Poppins- Give us an order because these can turn into clusterfucks if we don't know who's going next. Uh, let's do... Miles, Ryan, Steve, Mitch. Can I say neither? Um, They're better after this, I promise. Okay. I I guess I'll say Mary Poppins, but I don't like either movie. Is that me? Yep. It's Mary Poppins in Into the Woods. Yep. Rob Marshall vehicles. Um, Into the Woods. Um... I will say Mary Poppins returns because I will take Lin Manuel Miranda over James Corden. Fair. I no, like Mary I, Poppins. I do still. Go ahead, say, say your piece. Uh, Mary, Mary Poppins. I, I I enjoyed the film actually. Yeah, that's um, a good movie too. Yeah, I, I didn't Poppins. care for either. Um, I'll go Mary Poppins. I'll use Ryan's reasoning, though. I will say that you know. The one thing everyone agreed that wasn't great about the first one was the Dick Van Dyke horrible accent. And what does Lin Manuel Miranda do? His best Dick oh. Van Dyke impersonation. Well, I th- well, I I do um, I do. I mean, I have like a soft spot for that impression. I mean, Fine, but listen, it is what if, it is. It's not it like cancelable. If it anything. wasn't no, no, if it wasn't for the fact that British people were the whitest people on the planet, it would be like some version of racist. Oh, Bob's your uncle. It's like it's it's really not good. But it's it, it's 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 a it's just a nice charming film. Sure, as opposed right. to Into the Woods, which is like, you know, boring as hell, aggressively unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, be- better options. Oh, hold on! Don't skip Mitchell. 
Oh, nice. Oh, no, okay. we, we can skip me because I haven't seen Mary Poppins, so. Oh, oh. there you go. Bitch. Joey knew. Have Joey instinctively knew. Yeah. Have you <laughs> seen Into the Woods? I got that vibe. I, I have seen Into the Woods, which well, I think is forgettable. So I, I just, you know, I'm don't feel strongly. I'm kind of saying something that he's not picking it. For Into the Woods. Yeah. All right. Um, better cho choices now. Looper or Edge of Tomorrow? Ooh. Ooh. That is tough. Yeah, tough. That is tough. I love both of these movies. Yeah, um, I'm going to give the edge to Looper. I think that's one that's maybe a bit undervalued in recent years, but I think it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, but both movies are great. She's great in both. I would say Edge of Tomorrow because I've seen it more. But that's no doc, uh, no knock. I mean, on uh, on uh, on Looper there, which is a great film. <clears throat> yeah, I'll take both of those over the previous one. Yeah, I mean, for yeah. sure. I mean, you're going to take everything over the first two. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I thought Mary Poppins was, was I like so yeah, Mary Poppins Returns is a good movie. I just would take Looper and I would take um, Edge of Tomorrow over it. Fair. Mm. You know, again, I I'm I'm going into that theater with a family with kids who just watched Mary Poppins for the first time, maybe a week before. So it's much. It's a much bigger thing. It's connected to and they're like and they're like crying because they're like that's not Julie Andrews. Um, as I always yeah. say, when Steve, what did up they his, do to Julie Andrews? What did they always, do to her? As I always say, when Steve brings up his children, we get it. You've had sex, and and now you know. Uh, but so I'm going to go with. Um, oof, I guess I go with Edge of Tomorrow because I think it's so rewatchable. Mm. I I I think that was in well, not just under. I don't know about underrated, but box office wise, it didn't make a ton. I don't think compared to what it should have, because I think it should be one that's talked about a lot, but it's kind of forgotten. Looper yeah. is a, another great watch. Um, I, think, I don't think Edge of Tomorrow is very forgotten. I think a lot of people really talk about the movie a lot. Yeah, but I think they're starting to talk about it, but it's more film people. I don't think it's got the... It doesn't... It doesn't have that broad appeal. No, it's not mm. It's not a, like, let's watch broad a random appeal. popular Tom Cruise movie. You know, it's not but mission impossible. mainstream. I, know, if you, I don't yeah, call prefer. women broads anymore, Miles. <laughs> Good lord, God, talk uh, about we're going to call this canceled the, uh, the podcast. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that broad it, city. You talk about sci-fi, time travel, uh, all those different things, uh, infinite loop type stories. It's still kind of floating on the uh, on the edge. You know, it's 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 not one mm -hmm. of those four movies that people bring up, and it, it should be. It's great. So I'll yeah. go with that. Yeah. All right. Mitch? Yeah, I, I, this is definitely the toughest. I mean, off the top of my head, I think these are probably my two favorite movies that she's even in. Um, I, I, I would probably give it the slight edge to Edge of, Tom edge to edge of Tomorrow. Um, I, I probably would pick Edge of Tomorrow, though, because I think that, I think that probably is, like, one of the best sci-fi movies that has come out in the last 20 years, and it just took like a concept that you feel like you've seen it played before and made it feel really fresh and new and made Tom Cruise so exciting to watch on screen and then Emily Blunt comes in too and just like knocks it out of the park yeah yeah fair enough uh, I'll go Looper just to even it out a little bit they're both equally good mm -hmm. um, Looper might be the slightly better made film Edge of Tomorrow is the more rewatchable film I'd agree with that very yep. strong yeah yep yep yep, yep. yes that's uh but if you have not watched them, you definitely should go out and uh, yeah, watch and, both of like them. That right amazing. now, yeah, yeah, obviously, maybe a cool double feature, probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and yeah. they're both, uh, you know, sci-fi time travel movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Next up, 
A Quiet Place or Sicario? Ooh. I think she's better in A Quiet Place, but I probably like Sicario just a little bit more. It's one that I think kind of gets buried in Denis Villeneuve's filmography, um, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but oh, I don't know, though. Maybe I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I'll, I'll give it to Sicario just because I feel like I'm going to be one of the few who does. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not because I'm going to give it to Sicario, too. Sicario also, 2, Day of so, the Soldado? No. <laughs> also. Definitely not. Damn it. No, not that terrible movie. The the good one. The one that has Emily Blunt in it? The one that has yeah. Emily Blunt in it. Yeah. She's great in it. And um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya pre-Get Out. Yeah. 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 John Berenthal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Del, Tor- Del Toro and... Uh, Josh yeah, it's a good movie. Great yeah. movie. What's the other option? A Quiet Place. Quiet Place. Oh, Quiet Place. Ooh. It's it would be a good funny. resume, you know? It's it a good filmography. It is yeah. funny. Miles picks Sicario figure. He'd be the only one. It could be a sweep, depending on how this goes. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so Sicario surprised me. That's the thing. Edge of. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Quiet Place. Quiet. I knew going in. The bar, you know, people had, had really been praising it, but Sicario is one of those films that, you know, you see so many war films, and and to deliver the impact that it did, I'm gonna have to go Sicario as well. Oh boy! Wow. <laughs> All right, Mitch. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're gonna go ahead and clean sweep Sicario here because that's definitely the one for me. I saw Sicario three times in theaters, so uh, uh, yeah, that's the one for me. I I misdru- I misjudged the room. I apologize, you guys. <laughs> Um, I, I'll let the sweep happen. Scario. It's a it's a eight one a one b situation though. Yeah. Oh, for oh, sure. They're both yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I think the thing that Miles said earlier holds true. And then finally, the Devil Wears Prada, or the Muppets, where she essentially reprises her Prada role briefly. Where when is she in the Muppets? So I mean, can't... I believe <clears throat> she's uh, Miss Piggy's secretary. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. The fact okay. that I know that. Well, because there's so many cameos in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I remember that one. Yeah. Um. Well, it's tough because if we're judging them on the basis of being Emily Blunt movies, you have to go Devil Wears Prada because the other one's just a cameo. But I do love the Muppets. Uh, this is a tricky one. Is it? I think it is. I rewatched Devil Wears Prada recently, and I think it totally holds up for what it is. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Muppets. It's yeah. just it, it had a huge smile on my face from beginning to end. Life's a happy song. Look, I cry every time at the end of the Muppets. I when they sing Rainbow and, Connection. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. It's, I told I told Jason Siegel when I interviewed him the very first time. I was like, thank you and fuck you in equal measure for that. <laughs> but the Devil Wears Prada is like just a wonderful film and it's so rewatchable and i see it all the time on tv and i can't not not watch it and she's fantastic in that movie ryan's a veneer fan yeah well he's he's not bad in the film he's just a shit character you know what i mean so um but in hathaway and uh, meryl should have won the oscar for that though in supporting actress well of course you know another oscar for her is very important yeah, and you can tell. Oh, I angry. Devil Wears Prada easily, easily. Um, well, for me, I'm gonna have to ask myself one question, 
am I a man or am I a Muppet? And I'm a freaking Muppet. So Muppets all the way, the Muppets. Yeah, I'm going with the Muppet also. Yeah. Mitch? Almost one away from us from a sweep. Now, Mitch. Well, yeah, two away now because I, ah, I was going to go. Got a boy, Mitch. <laughs> he gets it. <laughs> we should have him on more often. Possible. Or we should get rid of you. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there, are, two, there are two ways to make this happen. All right. Oh, fuck you all. all right. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, shut up. Ryan's tweeting. And he says, choose the four heads that would go on Mount Gushmore. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was a different way too, Mitch. And I was like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> I, did, I didn't so want to do that one. Characters? Are we talking films? Director doing films, but here's the catch: yeah. the films must be from the year 2010 or later. Oh, now you're so told. horror films from the year 2010 later. Yep. 2010 or later, so anything after or 2010 onwards. Well, obviously, am... the new Halloween film uh, and Steve will... <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. has to be up there. No, I'm getting. I'm going to get a. Uh... I'm gonna get a chisel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chip that right off. I'm gonna chip give that I'm gonna right give, off. Right I'm gonna put my four right up on Front Street. Uh, it follows the cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. Black Swan, and Tusk. Oh, gross! Wow. <laughs> but that's very on brand for you. Yeah, the Kevin I mean, Smith I'm not fan. surprised. But... It was Tusk or Red State, but, Red, but Tusk is more of a horror movie than Red State. Red State. Red State's a horror movie because of how fucking bad it is. No, I like Red State. Stop. <laughs> that's that's the last good Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> I'm I'm not even gonna follow that one up. I will not. I, I will don't want to. I don't want to hurt Joey's feelings, so I'm not gonna. Oh, it'll all be edited out. <laughs> Most of mine are, are right before then. Most of mine are like 2008, 2009. So you mean not eligible? Like exactly. I was like, I was gonna say, drag me to hell. I, I'm but. I mean, here I'll oh, give I'll you. I'll give you some some options. All right. Besides what I mentioned. Okay. So you could also go with Get Out, The Conjuring, The Babadook Duk Duk, The Witch. You're next. Oh, what? Insidious. What? Sinister. I Saw the Devil. Under the Shadow. The Invitation. Don't Breathe. Crimson Peak. The Conjuring 2. Green Room. Let the right one in or let me in. Uh, the Evil Dead. No, remake. let no, let me let the right one in. Is is two thousand eight? I believe you said Wild Green Day. Room, didn't you mean Green Book? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me in. Um, let's see. I'm pulling up another the gift list. that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are tough. Ten Cloverfield Lane. I wouldn't. I would say that's more suspense than horror. Uh, I mean, fair. Paranormal Activity two. Mm. So what were what were your four again? Uh, they were it follows the cabin in the woods, black swan, and tusk. I've I've got my four ready. Go for it. By the way, I will throw out honorable mention: Scream Four. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We don't have to talk about that. I like Scream. Oh, move on, Miles. All right. So mine would be. I think you have to have Get Out on there. I think I you have to have uh, Cabin in the Woods on there. Yeah. Um, and I would say the Babadook and I've kind of got a three-way tie for the last spot between, um, I saw the devil, let the right one in and black swan. So out of the three, I think I'm going to lean towards, uh, let the right one in. No, let the right one in is not, is 2008 though, right? 
Maybe yeah, it's 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 the U.S. release, I think, is 2010. Well, yeah, the U.S. release well, is 2008 as well. Is it really? Oh, then what's it doing on this yeah. list? Well, that makes my decision easier then. Um, <laughs> then I guess I'll one. go uh, Black Swan. You know what? Uh, you know what? I don't think people think of as a horror movie, but I guess is. And if we're just talking about craftsmanship, should be on this list. Um, Shutter Island. Yep, I, I would agree I with just that. Just rewatched that the other day. I love that movie. And then if you want to go super weird, um, Under the Skin. If you want to consider say, a horror movie, Under the Skin. My Mandy. my my four are The Conjuring, The Cabin in the Woods, Get Out. And the Babadook. Okay. Mm. Wow, we agree on all but one. Yeah. Okay. But here's a question. I'll oh, go love, ahead. But I love Under the Skin. I think that that is the definition of just an unnerving experience. Yes. Yeah. And I and I would. I know it's probably not going to get up there for us, but man, that movie is. It was very. Jonathan Glazer makes movies that just really make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. Ryan yeah. got very uncomfortable when he saw Scarlett Johansson topless. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, I mean, probably Colin Jost did more than anybody. No, oh, I think Colin Jost went, uh, what's her number? I think he got very comfortable. Yeah. No, I, mean, I just feel like he would be very uncomfortable even now. He'd just be like, uh, like, like he's like, he's got the king's keys to a castle that he doesn't want to screw up. I guess. I don't know. I mean, yes, I think you, I think you live your life in service of please don't be angry with me. Yeah. Keep keep doing that thing you did in the movie in real life. I'll say safe jokes on SNL. I don't want to be canceled for you. Yeah, exactly. I I just want to <laughs> go to work and go home where you live. Like nothing else to be done. Uh, it's great. All right, let's get the other two lists and then we will uh, make a list. Okay, we'll make a, I'm going to say I'm going to follow suit and go with Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. Black Swan as well. And I'm going to go with Let Me In. I thought it was for, a, especially for a re, uh, an American remake, it was pretty damn good. Um, Agreed. Although it's not Let the Right One In. No. Uh, it's still pretty damn good. And I think, I think yeah, it gets overlooked because it's a remake, but it's actually yeah. quite well made. It, Matt Reeves. It is, it is well made. He doesn't make bad um, movies. No, he doesn't. So here's a question. Is Us a horror film? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, sure. He makes horror movies, yeah. Because if, if that's a horror film, then I'm going with that over Get Out. All right. Us. You wow. know, and I respect it. I only put Get Out in there because of the cultural relevance of that. But I prefer personally Us over Get Out. Agreed. But oh, I put in God. Get Out because I think of the cultural significance, the Oscar win, everything. If we're talking about a Mount Rushmore, I play a little bit of that into the factor. But yeah, I like Us more than Get Out. Lupita's performance is incredible. Yes. Well, I yes. Say, I'll, I'll say this for us. I think Lupita's performance in that is better than any one performance in Get Out. But I think on the whole, I still like Get Out a lot more. Fair. I think Us has a few too many. It doesn't have to explain everything, but it explains just enough that it's frustrating that it doesn't explain the rest of it. And I th- found the ending to be both predictable and unsatisfying. Mm. See, I, I love 90% of Get Out. I thought the last 10% were like... Yeah, Where did this I think the, from? Like the little Ro Howard stuff just gets under the comedy in it. Is a little, on the, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. and you cancels. Yep, there you go. That was a little Ro Howard. It's just like, I don't want to hear it. I was great in that Done. movie. Done too far. Mitch. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, the, the get out versus us thing is always really interesting because I think, I think us is like 
he's trying to do more, whether you think it's like successful or not, is kind of where the question comes in. But like, I admire him trying to do more. I love both of those movies so yeah. much. Um, They're both great. But yeah, exactly. I, I think Get Out's one of the best movies ever made. So that's definitely on there for me. And then Green Room, for sure, for me, is another one that I love. I Saw the Devil. Uh, would I be Saw my the Devil third. is great. Rules. Absolutely rules. Um, and then probably fourth, I would agree with uh, It Follows being on there. But then, like, honorable mentions for me would be Us, Under the Skin, Black Swan, and one that nobody mentioned, which is uh, Possessor from last year, which I love. Mm, gnarly that, movie. That's yeah. a wild one. That's like, yeah, You, you want to talk four. about Gushmore, that is a, one of the yeah. gloriest movies I've ever seen in my yeah. life. <laughs> I think about Green, I don't know I the think about green Room and that door sequence with the arms. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my wife sitting next to me and going, I had, and I had no idea that was in the film. And she just looked at me and she's like, if they have another scene like that, I am leaving this. <laughs> so she, so she left several minutes later. She, left yeah. several, she almost, she, she, she was a good um, troop trooper there and just mm. didn't, and didn't leave. But she told me afterwards, I will never watch that movie again. She liked about it. That movie. Uh, Which one? Mish, can, can you repeat your four? My four were Get Out, Green Room, yeah. I Saw the Devil, and It Follows. Okay, I saw. I don't know Green Room or I Saw the Devil, and I you don't know, know Green Room, oh, the man. one where the the band gets stuck at like the Nazi place. No, one of Anton I'm, Yelchin's I'm, last films. I'm, yeah, Anton yeah, Yelchin, no, Patrick really? Stewart no, is the leader. I'm, of Patrick Stewart is, right is a Nazi. Yeah, it's from it's uh, what's his face? Um, Jeremy Sonier. Yeah, Jeremy Sonier. He did Blue Ruin and uh, the, the Netflix the Dark. Wolves movie. God, yeah. a terrible movie on Netflix. It wasn't like, great. I, I kind of liked it. It was fine. All right. <laughs> after uh, after Green Room, it felt like a little bit of a letdown, but I still kind of liked yeah. it. I just well, that movie was a slog. So, I feel like our, our 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 Mount Gushmore is it follows Get Out, Black Swan. And cabin. I think the cabin in the woods is definitely there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would. I would be. I would uh, be okay with that. For yeah, I, I think... mean, I wouldn't. Oh, that makes me more okay with it. <laughs> I just uh, wouldn't want uh, Black Swan on there. It's just yeah, it's but Black Swan's movie... a Best Picture nominee. I think that goes. Yeah, back. but the only Best Picture nominee out of the ones we've discussed. No, so we talked like to uh, Get Out. Oh, uh, Get Out. Yeah, you're right. So one once again, only, you don't. Once again, you know. I mean, I'm still keeping it. So there you go. Hey, we um, didn't talk about Green Green Book, and that was clearly there the only horror. Um, um, but uh, no, hey, I um, Black Swan has an H. Well, speak. For I mean, go either way on that. There's but only here, one reason why everybody likes Black Swan. You gonna um, no, no, I'm gonna I just like leave Black it out Swan there. For Ambiguous a number of reasons. Yeah, so. I was about to say. I'm curious. Yes. All right. Uh, quickly, I want to talk about Tribeca. Which is uh, kicking in the gear and then sort of this week. I don't. I, they don't fucking know what's going on, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, I feel like this year every streaming or just regular in-person festival has tried to outdo themselves at being the worst. Cause, yeah, like, because like South Sundance was fine, South by wasn't that great, but then I heard Tribeca was like, "Hold my beer." I mean, yeah, Tribeca's like, a it's, mess. It's such a good idea to not require you to be at a film festival and it should be something they should continue to do if you want to go great but there's no downside to sundance or like i understand maybe can wine to be exclusive but like sundance tribeca places like that south by why not have a hundred people review this movie as opposed to seven 
Like that's mm-hmm. good for the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful it stays. But yes, they have to work out yeah. some kinks. Yeah, um, and just for just for like accessibility purposes for you know disabled people, people who don't have the money to go to these festivals and stuff. I've been like so grateful to see the festivals doing virtual stuff this year. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously the reasons they had to do it were not I great. Mean, even, but... if you, even if you have the money, like if you're not sending, like if you're not at an outlet that's sending you, like if I'm yeah. not paying for Mitch to go, like you're, I went, when I went to Sundance years ago with uh, Award Circuit, when I went with uh, Terrence Johnson, like we, we lucked out in a, in a cabin, but like you're paying for food, you're paying for the, the lodging, you're paying for the flight. It's, it's a lot of money to do a thing that oh, I feel is. like also it's gonna make me sound like an old man, but it's, it's fun to do that when you're like 25 and old you know, man, look at you my know, life. Exactly. I'm a lot like well, think about it when you're, when you're oh, like sorry. suffering for your craft at like 25, you're like, I didn't eat. And it's late. And I got all this work to do. It's like, it's exhilarating now. Yeah. I, I just want to go to bed. Look at my life. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, Look at my bank account more like it. I wish. Um, Things that are playing at the festival that are interesting. (laughs) They have a bunch of stuff from last year that that is pretty good. Um, I know Mitch has been a fan of Cowboys. Yeah, I like Cowboys. Aja was pretty good. I like Cowboys too. It's a uh, they're you know usually make good movies like Western. Um, Shut up, football team. Lorelai is a pretty good movie. Pray Away is a great documentary. Obviously, in the heights is open. In the, the heights, mm-hmm. uh, Soderbergh's movie is oh. its version of a closer. Saw that uh, trailer I'm, came I'm, out today. I'm excited too, about that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thing, things that are also interesting. And then, uh, Mitch, you can mention some stuff if I don't come up with it. Um, Mark, Mary, and some other people. I've seen this movie. It's phenomenal. It's uh, Hannah Marks who wrote and starred in Banana Split last year. She writes and directs this. Um, it's basically about a couple that decides to open up their marriage, but it's a really great comedy. Um, just really good stuff. Surprised that didn't go to Sundance. Like, it's good enough to have been a Sundance movie. Other things. Roadrunner, a film by Anthony Bourdain. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, from Morgan Neville is from the thing also. Like, my favorite documentarian working today. Like, the guy who's the best at, like, you want to cry? I'm going to make you cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Werewolves Within, which is also seen. Mm. It's a comedic thriller. Uh, fun. A lot of fun. Kind of feels like a poor man's like Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Twelve Mighty Orphans. Uh, look for interviews with Martin Sheen and Luke Wilson on the site as you hear this. Inspirational sports movie about a Texas uh, orphanage high school football team that went to the state finals in the uh, Dust Bowl. Hits all the cliches you expect, but does it in a way that's pleasant. Uh, how it ends played at Sundance. I thought it was pretty good. I know it was kind of like a mixed response. Uh, what else is interesting? Uh, the novice could be like potentially a character study awards play. Right and forth is a foreign comedy set in Brooklyn near where I live. Italian studies is a Vanessa Kirby movie. Uh, there's a documentary about the movie kids. Liliana Glazer's movie false positive. Elijah Wood is in a movie where he profiles Ted Bundy. Um, so there's some interesting stuff. Mitch, what do you what do you like? Yeah, definitely a lot of the ones that you mentioned are kind of ones that I've really liked. Like I've seen Werewolves Within and The Novice already and really liked both of those or ones that are kind of at the top of my list. Um, False Positive is definitely 
one that I'm really excited for to see Alana Glazer co-wrote it and stars in it. And it's like her doing a horror thriller that's very inspired by or influenced by Rosemary's Baby. And it's got um, Justin Thoreau and Pierce Brosnan in it as well. So I'm super excited to see that one. Um, Catch the Fair one is another one that I'm really excited for. It's described as being this like revenge thriller about a former boxer. And it's as um, executive produced by Darren Aronofsky, which I think is giving it a little bit more attention. Yeah. Um, Seven Days I'm really excited for with um, Karen Sony and Geraldine Viswanathan. That looks really fun. It's like a rom-com that's set like, during kind of COVID times, which I think could be interesting. I mean, we've could, seen... Could go either way. Yeah, exactly. We've seen COVID set movies come out, you know, recently, and it could either be really good or really bad. But I think the talent in that one kind of has my hopes on more on the optimistic side for it. And then just on the documentary side, I'm really excited for um, All These Sons, which is the new documentary from the guys who did uh, My Name and Gap, which is kind of one of my favorite documentaries of the last like decade, at least. So I'm super excited for that one. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, more to come on that in the uh, next few weeks. I have a question. What's up? The Soderbergh film, is this going to be like a movie or is it going to be like a sort of like the Oscars, you know, where that was like a deconstruction of a movie? It'll be better than the Oscars. Ooh, yeah. that it's... you better, you better. <laughs> I want that. I want that audio taken, Steve. <laughs> that movie. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to see it at the festival because I don't believe there's an online component to that. And I don't know yeah. if I'm venturing out to see it. So it yeah. might just have to wait until uh, July 1st when it hits uh, HBO, HBO Max. Max. Right? Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. seen it before that, but, you know, oh, I, mean. I can't I can't wait to see it, though. It looks great. Yeah, that's definitely the movie I'm most excited for that's playing there. But I am attending virtually and it is one of the few that is not going to be available virtually. Yeah, so. I, I had heard today, which that... is weird because it's going straight to streaming for the actual release. Right. Yeah. Same, same within the Heights, which is weird that they wouldn't want that even i don't know it just it didn't make well, sense in the, in the heights is dropping on hbo max during the festival which is interesting. Yeah. which is yeah which i guess is why they didn't want to premiere it online for critic i don't know it's, yeah whatever you know it makes sense say, it is um i will you know we'll have plenty of stuff for the festival so we'll talk more about it as it evolves and as we like dislike complain whatever um we can't talk about the Tomorrow War just yet because there's an embargo, but there'll be some coverage of that coming up. But I wanted to remind people yeah. to look out for that. We can, however, talk about Loki. Oh, great. Steve, you want to you wanna start off on some Loki chatter? No. Uh, no? Because you're the only one to solve besides me. Yeah, I could say I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but... I know going into it, you, you really don't know what to expect because the last we saw of Loki, he was uh, grabbing the Tesseract and disappearing into who knows where. And it picks up immediately after that. Um, and then from that point onward, it is just constant exploration of uh, a comic book. I guess it's based on comic books. I didn't realize it. A comic book world or part of the comic book universe uh, that has yet to been explored. Uh, have been explored and it's got a mix of a 48 hours mixed with dragnet mixed with i think a little doctor who um uh time bandits it's it's a it's very much time line time uh what's the word i'm looking for 
a time bendy oriented film yeah, or, the, or the, series. The time variance authority is a is a quirk in the Marvel system. Yeah, I I'd never heard of them before, and uh, I'm my concern with it is, and I'm, like again, I won't spoil anything, but it's so powerful, like this, their existence and and how they relate to all the other twenty some films and and series mm. we've watched that it's a little too much for me. It's like to introduce this it makes me go, hmm, is Endgame that big of a deal now? Um, no. I mean, so, I will say to in, that. Not in, not in, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, in, I don't really think about that just because by that token, it's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, like Eternals. Like, Endgame must not have been that big a deal. They were like, eh, for yeah. sure. You guys it's figure just, it out. Every property that you're doing moving forward is lessening the impact of a lot of that movie for me. Sure. And it's in, in obviously they have to because they have to build their world and continue to make, you know, gallons of money buckets of money but it just it sort of cheapens it and in the weird way is like we don't really know where they're going with in game we had well, we a definitive end of the story yeah well we, we knew don't they were going, going a year or two into the mcu yeah. okay they're building to a thanos you know infinity gauntlet situation yeah what we it comes down to is right. in a perfect world it would have ended at end game and we would have said that's that Move on, next next franchise. MCU's You're right done. in the in the alternate that's not timeline. Cool. In the alternate timeline, that's what happens. And uh, you know, we didn't we didn't stay indoors last year, and President Clinton was uh, doing a great job. So, like a lot of things would be different in that timeline. Well, I mean, you know, but I know I'm, I'm not saying I'm. It's not a knock against it. I enjoyed a lot. It's just one of those things that I have to find a way to uh, compartmentalize it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I have no idea where it's going. I, But that's, I think, all of the show so far. WandaVision, the first couple episodes were like that, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Speaking of which, I had my interview with the showrunner is on the site right now. Um, it was a pretty interesting chat, which I want to bring up in a minute after we finish. It is finished. an interesting chat, and I did edit it, and it's, it's, uh, I thought it was really, really fascinating. I thought the conversation um, was, I, I thought it was incredible. I was like, man, how, to sit down with someone for 20 minutes, it sounds like you were having beers with him for four hours and getting all, uh, there's a, there's a freedom. Really, really, yeah. But I think there's a freedom on his part. Cause he's like, I'm not getting nominated for this. And I think he's underselling it a little bit. I think, you know, it's a hard category, but you know, Falcon, the winter soldier is about race in America. Like what could be a more timely drama, but to what I was saying, Loki, obviously, as Steve says, playing around with time and, and to him potentially lessening the impact of a lot of the big things that have happened before. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, is interesting in that 10 years from now, it's going to be the opposite. You know, 10 years from now, nobody's going to think twice about a black Captain America. Like Sam Wilson is going to be that audience's Captain America. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is why that happened. And that's that's not nothing. That's a That's a bigger deal than I think it got a lot of credit for. It, it is it's great i just i don't know i would have i think the show wasn't really that great the thing um, is when it comes down to it, with, you know, all the, wasn't that great. Plus, you're going from one wanda if it if it stood alone if you didn't have wandavision i think if it played before wandavision which it was supposed to have done so right i believe originally uh, that was the plan it's yeah. actually something i asked him which is like how do you what ha- do you shit your pants when you're like oh fuck everyone loves this show and it's weird, and I'm doing something completely different. Inevitably, somebody's yeah. going to not like it because of that. 
And the whole Disney Plus model is tough because you're going to go and you have WandaVision, Falcon of the Winter Soldier, and Loki, I think are going to be three of the best limited series out there. And, you know, I'm talking top 25, top 50 of the last decade for sure. Um, And some of them, I think, even higher, even the 10s and 20s and 10s. Um, The bar is high. That's my point. And they are, they're coming back to back. You're getting a few weeks off. And like, by the way, here's Loki, which is like, and then when I went so far, it's we, just really and well we still done. have We still have What If yeah. and then Hawkeye on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to yeah. mention yeah. like a week or two after Loki ends, Black Widow is going to come out and then the movies are going to yeah. start up in earnest. So it's going to be pretty back to back this year. And listen, Hawkeye could be at any point. Like that's Hawkeye, I think will definitely be this year. They, they've wrapped filming a little while ago. You yeah, know, they, they wrapped for sure. Just but more excited budget? for their their films at this point than I am their the television budgets, series. That's fair. The budgets and the people behind them. The, the you know these are, these are not some kind of like hey get a, a, a crew of ten people let's make a TV show. These are you know, I, I, I attended the press conference today. This is these are hundreds of people. This is these are the best minds uh, working today, connecting this to a world we've fallen in love with that has become part of of you know of the enter- uh, entertainment world it's like it, everybody knows the mcu the best like minds top men the best minds what I'm just, you know i'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm just he, he's, i mean he's he's trying struggling with the fact that he's the only one who has these opinions oh no i'm just i'm just saying those are the best minds okay uh yeah those I, are I some of the best minds out there I like from that. a craft standpoint, uh, I think absolutely. I mean, no, a, interestingly, it's on so many different standpoints. That's there's a, of, that's there's a, a, amazing people involved with all this yeah. stuff. This is and not, it's a thing that these are I, not easy things to pump out. There's no, hard yeah. work going into and, them. I mean, and in my in my mouth, they've been pumping it out for a decade, and it seems pretty easy. Yeah, in the well, uh, they can go Malcolm, make one. Oh. <laughs> in the yes, I mean, they've been doing it, making billions of dollars. Okay, make my point. In the Malcolm Spellman article. In the interview, he even talks about it because I brought up the fact that one of the the dings on the MCU can be the sameness that some of them can exhibit technically. And, you know, perhaps that's unfair, you know, just because uh, one of the DPs, you know, tends to go to a bunch of their films. But he he actually brought up that if you look at a lot of the, the stuff they're doing, there is a difference. You know, WandaVision doesn't look anything like anything else they've done. Eternals isn't going to look anything like it, even though, you know, there are some similarities and they have that DP there. But a lot of the shows are more different. A lot of the movies are more visually different than you give them credit for. He even brought up, like, look at, like, um, I think he said Civil War. Like, Civil War looked nothing like any of the Marvel movies up until that point. So there's there's a there's a fine line, I think, in terms of People that. don't give them credit because they say Marvel beforehand. I think if a lot of people give people it credit. Of I think you guys are in the majority. I'm in the, a lot of people like me are in the minority. So don't go out there and say like a lot of people don't give them credit. They make billions of dollars. They have a big fan base and everything. I'm just, you know, I, I think that to, that's a disingenuous thing to say that people don't give them credit. They get a ton of credit. I think, it Every, is, you know, I think you're talking about different credit. Well, fact. we're not talking about like financially successful credit. We're talking about creatively fulfilling credit. And that's not well, the same I thing. Mean, they, I mean, they they're doing they get the creative freedom, I guess, from Marvel to continue to do these projects. And then, you know, then they go on and do other movies and then they'll come back or the, if they not. I mean, they go back and forth. I mean, you know, it is what but it is. I'm just I just think that their formula is, is, you know, 
It's not the most exciting one on the planet. That's all. That's fair. That's fine. What is? What is? Well, I mean, I think that other franchises are just way better and, and they have more freedom and don't have to, and they get to be, you know, more creatively. They just, they feel more, they feel for me more special than this. This feels Can very. You name one though? I'm curious what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Like I think Mission Impossible. I think John Wick. I think that those are, those are franchises that I just sit there and I go, uh, you know, it, it you know. It's no different than the the MCU has basically turned into Bond at this point. Here's and I love with, James Bond, but they but they turn out the same thing. Wick. But call me back when they do 20 John Wicks and tell me how. Well, not just that, because what you're talking about are all individual franchises. The Marvel Universe is like a giant hub franchises yes. that houses a bunch of mini franchises within it. I mean, what they're doing I mean, they're on not, a successful I mean, level. No, shut up. That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> The Guardians of the Galaxy films are not the same as the Captain America films, which are not the same as the Iron Man films. And they all can interweave. So many other studios have tried it. Marvel's the only one that's doing it with anything resembling success. You can't even really say the DC movies have anything close to that level of success. So I don't think that's something that should just be dismissed out of hand. Uh, You know, some of them can be a little samey, but most of them aren't. The emotional connection That that is the point he was getting at. With uh, the interview, like some, yeah, sure, oh, some of them are going to, but more of them than not aren't. Let's just give more the Emmys. That wasn't Ryan's point. I'm talking about, he's talking about, he's talking about the creator of the show. Point. Yeah, I yeah nobody gives a shit about my point. I'm just the asshole. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah the, the, the emotional connection people had after Endgame to take 50, 60 years of comic books, hundreds of characters, hundreds of storylines and you combine them and bring them all together and have people crying and have people it gives me the chills even talking about the movie um that's incredible and then what they did there is pretty damn special incredible they're they're taking that glass of great lemonade and they're turning it into diluted water with every project they're doing ever since but that's just beside the point all right but they kind of have to to i don't agree i mean they kind of have to to keep the you know the, the lights on over there it's it, disney's it's biggest problem it's actually very tough to make new installments in a series that's 23 movies strong and had a satisfying ending no, I'm just it's actually very tough to continue they have to do it it's in a lot of ways it's like disney animation and it's very very early stages and hated like you you make all these and you create a giant world and then you can create an enti- entire theme park based off of it and everything and we're just got it all in a 10 year span as a close to a 50, 60 year span. And that's basically what they, what it is. They've taken the Disney style of creating princesses and, you know, animated features for, you know, for generations to love and cherish. And, you know, the Marvel films, they're never going to be put in a vault. They're just going to all continuously come out more and more and more and more each year. And that's what they are, but they are, you know, they are the biggest franchise on the planet. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, um, but at the same token though, it's, it, you know, they dominate, they have to succeed in order for a lot of Hollywood. It's a double-edged sword. They have to succeed for a lot of Hollywood to continue to make the other projects that I give a crap about more than these. They are entertaining for what they are, but I'm never thinking about them about a couple hours after I'm done watching them. They're very much what they are. And, you know, I, I, I but I, to get to this point, I'm sure it's a great interview, but that series does not deserve to be up for the best drama of the year. It's a, and, you know, and also too, I would have liked to see Sam Wilson have a movie on a big screen. Which he shot is. Around He's the still world. getting it's, that. It's, well, I would have liked that 
to begin with instead because we didn't do that with Steve Rogers. We didn't put him on a television series to begin with and then give him a movie. Well, because nobody would have funded it at the time. He wasn't a proven movie quantity at the time. He had that fucking movie with uh, J.D. Salinger's son that everybody hates. Which one? The the one they did in like 1990 that looks like crap, where he's got like the rubber helmet. Yeah. Oh, I almost oh Steve, I thought you were talking about Chris Evans. I was like, what movie is that? No, but... no, Captain America as a character. <laughs> no, he did yeah. have another team movie. Oh, yeah. uh, hey, yeah. Joe, going back, are we going to continue any more on Loki? Because one thing I think we have to mention yeah, is go, the finish, chemistry. Finish up between... on, yeah, finish up on Loki. Yeah, the chemistry between uh, Luke Wilson as I think his name is it Modius, Mo- Mobius, Mobius, Owen Wilson. Mobius. I'm terrible with names. Wow. Uh, I said, yeah, there you go. I'm double terrible with names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I screwed up the character and the yeah, actor. How important this franchise is, everyone. Steve can't even get the actor's name. Oh, shut oh. the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Golly. I, uh, I, I can't get my kids' names right. Right, Joey? Gary? Oh, wait. Who? <laughs> what? Uh, Where's my pills? So, going Funny as he has girls. Which is the, <laughs> I do have two girls. Owen <laughs> Wilson, right? Got the right Wilson. Yes. yes. And uh, the irony is he's he's doing my Luke Wilson video interview as this is going on, so he's thinking of one Wilson during this as well. Yeah, and Tom Tom Hardy is Loki. But they are fantastic together. There's great chemistry. It's only been two episodes in, and I can't wait to see where they go next because I think this is six episodes, right, Joe? Uh huh. I believe so. I think uh, the pacing's good. It it flies by, but it keeps it keeps on uh, revealing. More and more as with every minute, and uh, if they can keep it up, I think it's going to be uh, probably maybe the best of the of the three series out there. How's Gugu and Bathara? Is that the? <laughs> oh She's the head of the TVA in the series. She spends a lot of time chasing after him early on. Like it's, I wouldn't call it necessarily like a showcase for her just yet, but there's time. Okay. Well, I hope I hope she's what good because I before? really like her as an actress. What was she in before? Um. Miss Sloan is probably the biggest thing I know. Miss Sloan, she was in um, Beyond the Lights. She's in Beyond the Lights. Yeah, she's the lead in Beyond the Lights. She's uh, really great in this period drama called Bell from like 2013. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, she's I love her. She's great. She's a very good actress. She's in Beauty and uh, the Beast. Wunmi Asaku, is that correct? Uh, She was in Lovecraft Country and His House. Yes. Yes. Mm. Big fan of her. You know who actually I really enjoyed? And it's not a part that's particularly important. Um, I have to look up his name, but it's a it's a that guy, uh, Eugene Cordero. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, um, Gugu and Bathara also in a great film, uh, Fast Color. Yes, oh, Fast Color I rules. I mentioned Fast mm-hmm. Color, but yeah, uh, Eugene Cordero has a very funny role in the first episode. Okay, that I uh, okay. I got. He's in the he's in the Kings of Summer. He's Allison Brie's boyfriend. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, you've you've seen him in other stuff. He's like a that guy type thing. It's, uh, he's got one of those faces. Yeah, yeah. He just yeah. he's he's just a guy who like you want to put in a funny movie. Okay. By the way, she's yeah. great. Yeah. So I, I like I like her work so far. There you go. Oh, okay. Right. You look, so you look her up, up, Steve. I have Google for a reason. Yeah. If All our right. names if our names weren't up here in the in the Skype, you know, Steve would know who the hell we are anyway. Yeah. So. You're so right, Jerry. You're so right. Uh, we're gonna make it a short one this week since it's just hot. Um, but before we wrap up, everyone has a thing that they've seen that's coming out that they can talk about. So, um, Miles, you saw George Romero's like buried movie. You can talk about that. Um, Ryan, you can give your two cents again on In the Heights. Okay. And uh, Mitch, you've got any number of things you've seen. If there's something that's uh, talking to you that you want to like get out of out in the world, go for yeah. it. 
That might be a little scary if things are talking to you, Mitch. It depends on if he's answering. <laughs> but, uh, my life. Yeah. But Miles, you can uh, you can get on the amusement park. Uh, yeah. Are we signing off or are we just talking about stuff? Just talking about it. Then we'll sign off separately. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the amusement park is a uh, very long buried uh, industrial film that George A. Romero shot for a Lutheran society back in 1973. They basically said, do a little educational film about, you know, the dangers of elder abuse. And he gave them a 50 minute essentially psychological horror film about an old man being terrorized in an amusement park and they were terrified and they just didn't release it. But now, um, it, the print's been rediscovered. It's got a 4k restoration. And, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be available on shutter. It's interesting. It's not like this lost masterpiece or anything like that, but that may be a lot to expect considering George Romero gave us so many masterpieces. Uh, but it is interesting. It's definitely got his distinctive style all over it. It's got this sort of dreamlike quality where it's like documentary style filmmaking, a sort of overwhelming soundscape. Um, there's one professional actor in there, uh, Lincoln Mazal from uh, Martin, um, but everyone else is uh, non-professional and uh, we're actual like old people in nursing homes and they're caretakers essentially. So he basically committed elder abuse to make a movie about the dangers of elder abuse. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, nothing bad happens to any of them. Yeah, the, yeah. the the paid actor is the only one who like has stuff happen to them. The rest of them just kind of get dirty looks and stuff like that. Is there any cool um, very, very light. It's much more psychological than it is like gory. Uh, there's mm. a, like a scene where he gets beat up by some bikers. Uh, but outside of that, it's it's much more, you know, uh, like there's a young couple that goes to have their fortune told. And uh, they're like, this is what's going to happen to you. And they're like dying in a tenement building because the landlord won't, you know, make the living conditions uh, decent for them. And they can't get uh, their doctor to come see them. And then the young guy comes out of the fortune teller and he's so mad, he just finds Lincoln Mazal's character and just beats the crap out of him because he sort of associates him with, you know, this horrible future of being an old person that's coming for him. Mm. And that's kind of what it's all about is how we sort of project our fears of aging onto the actual old people around us. Um, so it's very interesting in that regard. If you have Shudder, it's definitely worth a look. Uh, but I would say temper your expectations if you're expecting another of the dead level sort of masterwork from him. Cool. Uh, Ryan, I suppose you can tell me why In the Heights is good. Well, I don't think In the Heights is uh, is good. I think it's great. And, um, and <laughs> it's uh, I wrote the review up on the on the website and um, I had the wonderful pleasure of Warner Brothers sending me a screener for this thing. And um, I've been really dying to to see it obviously like most of us have because it's uh one of the bigger films of the year and one of the first awards players of the year as well and um i just think that it's um it's an immaculate achievement and what john m2 does along with miranda his you know producing partner and the creator of the broadway musical uh, is make a musical really for our time. I said a lot in the piece that I think it's the the blueprint for the way um, Hollywood studio musicals should go uh, in the future. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I loved it. Uh, I think Anthony Ramos is a, a f leading man for our future decade. I can't wait to see him. In the Bumblebee sequel? 
<laughs> yeah, even in something like that, I'd be curious to see how he did. I mean, the first Bumblebee film is actually not terrible. Or is he in the new Transformers? Or is it a Bumblebee sequel? Which I think it's, a, uh, it, it's a Transformers. I don't think they've said it's a Bumblebee oh, is it, sequel. Uh, have they not said? Okay. Well, well I'm less interested. Now I'm yeah. Now you just made me less understood. Guys. Yeah, I know. But Bumblebee's surprisingly good. Yeah, it's surprisingly yeah. like fun. And um, it's not Haley Steinfeld, John Cena, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's an, it's, it's, a, it's an '80s like coming of age movie that happens to have a transformer in it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think the film has a, a wonderful cast. Uh, the songs are just super catchy. They've been in my head since I saw the film about a month ago, and um, you know, I, I just. I think it's the best film of the year so far. Clearly should be an awards contender. Uh, as a Latino American, Mexican American critic myself, it just spoke to me. I think it will speak to a general audience, but it will definitely speak to people like me that have been dying to see our you know, actors or people that look like us on the big screen. I definitely feel like it could have that feeling that the African-American community felt like when they saw Black Panther, um, where it could be very cultural, but also be a big hit. It could be a lot like John Nenchu's last film, Crazy Rich Asians, that you know was a big, broad hit and also uh, really important to the Asian community. Um, d- just go see it. Don't. I, I, my, my big recommendation for it, for the love of God, I know that it is very easy and accessible and we're just you know, getting very used to watching things at home, but please go see it in a theater. I I want this movie to get, uh, you know, just tons of money at the box office. So more projects like this get made. So then they don't just say, well, it's just a Hamilton thing or this and that. Um, And then they make Hamilton, which I really kind of don't want them to. Hmm. Um, Ultimately of this is you saw it on a screener and it's your favorite movie of the year. I saw it in theaters and it's my number 25. (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I just, popped in the headphones and I just was immersed into it. And I just want to see it on a broader, big giant screen. I'm going to go see it this weekend. Um, and I'm going to take my wife and, and I've just been telling everybody about it and the buzz is there and it's yeah. got stellar reviews and, um, please go read my oh. review on the site. It was great. It was okay. great. Thank How you. Joey, familiar were you with it beforehand? I was not, I had not seen the musical. I had not listened to any of the music. I tried to go in Nothing as blind as possible because, you know, obviously we all know Lin-Manuel Miranda, we know Hamilton and everything, but I think, you know, this, this one was the launching point for him to make something like Hamilton. And uh, I had, I had known about it and how people loved it, but I didn't know how much I was going to love it. And I was a mess by the end of that film. All right, cool. Um, Mitch, you got something you want to, you want to pimp out? Uh, yeah, sure. I think, you know, just to double down on the Tribeca thing a little bit, I do want to shout out Werewolves Within again, because, you know, it's coming up, the Tribeca thing's happening now, and then it's coming out in, like, theaters and VOD at the end of the month, and I do, I really love that movie, and, you know, you mentioned Edgar Wright when you were talking about it earlier, and that was something that I thought about, too, is that it just is such a fun movie in the way that it really pays like reverence to genre and like genre tropes while also subverting them the same way that I find Edgar Wright's movies like often do. And, you know, whether people see it at Tribeca or, you know, later, I think that it's going to be like a real crowd pleaser and just a really, really fun movie to watch, especially if you watch it like late at night, it's, it's a real blast. And I interviewed the director and the writer. So we'll have those up probably towards like the end of the month towards it's like regular release, not Tribeca, but I just think it's like cool people making a cool movie. Fair. Um, 
Steve, you did Loki. Do you have anything else you want to do? Or that's that's good for you. I uh, you know I'd stick with that with uh, Google Mabatharaz's performance. How can you go wrong? There you um, go. Uh, <laughs> so here, let's end on this. You guys can say where you can be followed and tell me your your top uh, three movies of the year so far. Miles, you go first. All right, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Uh, please check out the short film I wrote and directed, American Exorcist, on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. And now you can also check out another film that I wrote and acted in called Once Upon a Dracula. That one's on YouTube under Chase Capo, who's the director. Uh, my top three of the year so far... Number one is Writers of Justice, which uh, nice. Steve and I yeah. got to have a nice discussion about uh, the other week and is just an absolute treasure. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, number two is Spiral from the Book of Saw. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a Saw fan, but I found it absolutely delightful. And obviously we had a whole podcast on it. Uh, go listen to that if you haven't. And number three, I have The Mitchells versus The Machines, which I don't think we really touched on on the podcast at all, but I think is definitely an early best animated feature contender. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the same team that did Spider-Verse, and it's got a lot of the same animation style, but also feels like it's doing something new and interesting with it. It just has very fun, relatable story and looks great, sounds great. So I would say all three are fantastic. So it's a good year so far. Oh, that does remind me. Another tradition we have when I remember one thing at the end to talk about. Um, I've seen Luca. Oh, how is so it? It's it's very good. It's another animated contender. It's is this it's like charming. the is this like the tradition of you seeing a movie like two months before the rest of us see it and tell us that it's good or or not? I mean, that is kind of like a oh, thing okay. that I do. I just I was just clarifying what the, what the uh, uh, it's a uh, I, I we'll talk more about it when it gets a little closer. Not a tearjerker for a change. Really, I heard people were crying at the end of it. I don't know what they were crying about. It was <laughs> I think there are some people who will cry in any Pixar movie regardless. Yeah. They're the people who will cry. in like They were Mars cutting onions right at the final 10 minutes. As yeah. But it is, it is delightful. More on that later. Um, Ryan, say where they can follow you and tell us your other two movies besides In the Heights. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid 77. Like I said just a couple of minutes ago, my number one film of the year is In the Heights. Um, two other films that are uh, going to be released this year um, but have uh, not been released, but they are my two and three of the year is uh, my number two is nine days. Um, just really inventive, original, um, beautiful existential drama. I love um, sort of with sci-fi elements too, uh, religious elements, Winston Duke, Zazie Beetz, Bill Sarsgaard, Benedict Wong, Tony Hale, just a great cast. Look for that. Uh, Joe, you've seen it, right? I have not actually. You haven't seen it? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I've seen um, it. Yeah. Oh, what do you think, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. It's like so. It's so interesting. It's that kind of movie where it's like sort of like sci-fi adjacent, but like really grounded in the real world and just doing like really interesting things. And I agree, the cast is amazing, and like I mean, amazing on paper and amazing in the movie too. Yeah, Benedict Wong should be in running for best supporting actor. He's yeah, he got he got a uh, Spirit Award nomination for yes. it. Yes, and I think it's eligible this year. It was just eligible at the Spirits. Yeah, correct. Um, because they moved it. Um, and then my number three is Language Lessons. Um, nice. I have seen that. And I love that film. I think Natalie Morales, Jay, Dis uh, Jay uh, Duplass. 
Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. I'm sorry. Jade produced it with him. Um, great performances. Really is the only film I've been able to tolerate, which I know has been made during the quarantine and has used it to a good effect and um, really beautiful. And um, just it's just like nice to see sort of like, I guess, just two people who talk. It reminded me a lot of like the before series without mm. a lot of the romantic entanglements. So it's it's really good. I highly recommend it when it comes out. Cool. Uh, Steve. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmsnork. And my three films, I'll go with Cruella, as I discussed before. A ton of fun. Loved it um, in many ways. And I think it will play well for years to come. Um, I'm going to agree with, uh, with Miles on two of these, uh, Riders of Justice. There's um, a nice surprise. Subverts the, uh, the genre. And add so much more depth to it. And it's uh, when it comes down to it, I think, again, I think it's a film that will be very rewatchable because I think you're going to take a lot more away from it the second time you watch it than you did the first. Uh, and then Mitchell's and uh, First the Machines, which is machine gun humor, uh, incredibly creative. The voice acting is tremendous and uh, just a good, a good escape. That would be one that I wish I, I had seen at a a theater or a drive-in, but mm, unfortunately, yeah. not to be confused a, with Mitchell versus a machine gun, which is a tragedy, not a movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't oh, feel no. very good about <laughs> what happened with me in that one. Oh no! no. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Ryan, right, right behind your three was the Snyder Cut, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just a little now outside of the top twenty, but I did like the Snyder Cut. I thought it was a. Uh, good for what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, it's Mitch- a lot better than Army of the Dead. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot better. Okay. <laughs> like like ten times better. Yeah, I finally finished it, and and the Which first one? half is great. Which one? Uh, Army of the Dead. Because <laughs> they're both really long. One's two and a half hours, yeah. the other's four. Well, I can cut about a good hour out of the middle and and had a much better film for both yeah. of them. It it had a great opening, and then the rest of us just shit soccer mom's the best part of army of the dead yeah I, was that you tweeting about soccer mom like you want yes, a whole he's story obsessed about with the soccer mom I, I that's me oh it's the best thing it's the best Steve, thing i, would I want to know her whole backstory i want that prequel like i yeah, want i want to know want. yeah and then right the real character oh. just that movie like, I, ends with it getting fall that thing falling on her yeah there you oh. go it's a perfect ending oh i absolutely love that sequence i think mm-hmm. she's tremendous i'm like no words and so so much emotion and all over the place from humor, action, uh, drama. Uh, it's, he does a good well, opening credit, Zack Snyder. It, yeah, whatever, Richard, whatever your fault with him, he's cheese. great at opening credits. Yeah, yeah. take those opening credits and 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 submit it as uh, original short, short. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, live action short. Boom. Yeah, Zack Snyder and and Mitch, you're up. Okay. Um, yeah, you, my Twitter you can follow me on is it is Mitchell. My letterbox is just Mitchell. Um, like just the word my name Mitchell, not just Mitchell. Don't talk it down. Don't talk it down. <laughs> it's just Mitchell. Um, you can find my writing. I actually recently started working for Letterbox. You can see some of my writing coming up there soon. I'm doing some stuff for Tribeca there, and then as always, I've got a ton of stuff at Awards Radar. A lot of stuff coming up for. Tribeca and for um like Emmy stuff with you know people from Pose from Lisi's story all that kind of stuff uh more 
AR TV stuff coming out at Awards Radar. My um, I'll say my top three of the year so far. I'll list just ones that are like available for anybody to watch right now, rather than like some of them are from Sundance, which who knows when people will be able to get to see those. But my top three that anybody can see right now, my favorite is Test Pattern, the movie from um, writer director Shatar Michelle Ford. It's their debut movie about a couple who goes on kind of this journey to acquire a rape kit after a sexual assault happens. That's just, I mean, it's really compelling. It's super interesting. Um, my number two would be the German movie Undine from Christian Petzold, who I think is like one of the top five directors working right now. And my interview with the, the lead actress in that, Paula Beer, is on Award Radar now, which I thought was a really great conversation. And then and my number three would be Shiva Baby. Mm. Excellent. Cool. Uh, you can follow me at Joey Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Letterboxd everything i'm there uh awards radar on most of those things and i'm gonna go with a five because uh, i'm in charge um so my number five is mass out of sundance oh i love that movie yeah um oh, it's incredibly so hard sell but it's a really great movie um least likely movie to make anyone want to see it but <laughs> incredibly good but it's so honest and it's so weird that it's written and directed by the guy who was the stoner in cabin in the woods yep frank Rantz. More on that soon because I do hope Bleaker Street does put a campaign behind it. Yes, I got. Yeah, please, please, Bleaker Street, do something for once. Yeah, they're they're due, I guess. Uh, We'll see. Uh, My number four is Shiva Baby. It's delightful. Nice cringe comedy at its finest. Uh, My number three is Spiral. My number two is Coda. I know everyone got sick of hearing how great it was at Sundance. It really is, though. I I cannot wait to see it. It's just. Joey, do you think Marley Matlin, do you think she could be in the Oscar competition? Maybe. I think if they like the movie, it's very easy to be like, oh, we should we should welcome her back. Um, She's part of some of the funniest scenes in the movie. Yeah, I feel like Coda's one of because like Apple's handling it and like putting it right on streaming. I feel like it's in this weird position where it could either be like get six, seven Oscar nominations and like really dominate it or just like completely disappear by the time award season comes around. And I'm really interested in like seeing the journey of how that goes. Yeah, it doesn't have the traditional like, oh, it's going to play well and be a crossover hit. And then we're going to go, well, maybe it's going to get, you know, picture screenplay and Marley Matlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's either going to have to overperform or it's going to underperform, but we'll see. And my number one is Zola. I know you just saw that. It it comes out in like two weeks, right? Uh, It comes out on the 30th. Yeah. Um, My interview with Riley Keough is going to be on the site soon. And uh, Nikki is doing, I believe, the director and Taylor Page. And Mitch, you have the writer, right? Yeah, I actually just did the one with the writer. I think both you and Nikki got your interviews like delayed a little bit until yeah, we next weekend. But I, I got to interview the writer of it yesterday, who was an absolute delight. Like hearing him speak, he just spoke so beautifully about the movie. Yeah. Um, and then interestingly, uh, we weren't able to make it work with Coleman Domingo, but I think yeah. he's available oh, for a different movie. So I'm just going to have like a backdoor interview about Zola with that. Nice. Yeah, so we'll he's make got two that projects out right now. He's always got something he's out. A very, very busy man. Yeah, he's also exactly. just like a badass. And, yeah, and so yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't. 
no, it, it's uh, it's benefit. He's so good in the movie, though. So yeah. good. So good in Zola. More on that soon. Uh, so for now, we're going to take our leave of you. We'll be back next week. And uh, yeah, if you guys end up starting to see more movies in theaters, let us know. If you're excited for anything in particular, let us know. And uh, yeah, I guess next week we'll be able to talk a little bit more about In the Heights because people have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Until then, uh, stay cool. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.